I always love coming here. And there's several reasons why. I've got a lot of good friends here, but um, let me give you a little warning this morning. Uh, I've been wheezing and coughing like crazy. Not contagious, not COVID. Had a test yesterday. All right, so don't get freaked out. But if I sound like an adolescent a few times during the message, you'll know what's going on. Here's something I saw. During the time that we were praying, the staff and others were praying today, um, uh, one of the guys, Luke, had a prophecy that this was going to be a time when things were going to come to fruition for many people and for this church in terms of birthing. In other words, the seeds of evangelism and, and love that you've sown in the community, the season is coming, and now is, I think, when new things are going to be given life. And that just stuck with me. I walked into the room, and right over here, she's gone now, she may have been an angel for all I know, there was this heavily pregnant woman. And so I said to myself, self, is this that? And I feel like the Spirit said, yeah, this is that. So this church is pregnant with a lot of things, and this coming season, you're going to see a lot of them brought to birth. And then I saw, I saw a picture of God's hands around the womb of a lady, just like this. And, and so I, I just leave that with you to pray about and think about, and um, yeah, just thought I'd start with, with that. Um, You know, life, and I'm going to talk about life as a journey today, and the Christian life is often compared to a journey as well. All of us are on it. And for the follower of Jesus, that journey is called discipleship, which means becoming apprentices of Jesus. You know what an apprentice is? If you've been an apprentice of a plumber or a carpenter, you know what that means. You, it's on-the-job training you're always in the presence of the master, and you're doing what the master does, saying what the master says, listening, and, and learning, and doing. So I want to lay a basic skill set in front of you today. And this basic skill set of being an apprentice of Jesus, or apprentice of anything really, is making right choices. It's basic. I don't mean mundane choices like chocolate or vanilla necessarily at all. I'm referring to choices that are small or large and they affect the trajectory, the trajectory of your life, which is going this way or that way or this way. Here's what Greg Boyd said, and I think this will put it in perspective. He said, we tend to become the decisions we make. Let that sink in a moment. The more we choose something, the more we become that something. And Robert Frost, his famous poem, you could probably recite it with me because you had eighth grade literature class. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I chose the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Fundamental choice for the Jesus follower is I'm going to follow Jesus' way when I see that divergence, or am I going to follow my own way? And uh, before us daily, we find that there are lots of these decisions to make, either daily uh, or even sometimes hourly, sometimes moment by moment. If we consistently choose to follow Jesus, 
What's going to happen to the disciple is you're going to become more like him. I know I'm not telling you anything new right now, but sometimes repetition is helpful. And so you're going to become more and more like Jesus, and I believe you're going to find the good life. Today, if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1. Take a look at that. Uh, you know, these psalms, many of them are road songs. You know, Israel used to sing these psalms as they went up to the three biggest feasts in Jerusalem, all the way up to Zion. And so it's an appropriate psalm to look at for the journey that all of us are on as well. Before we read it, though, let me tell you something. My assumption is that there are people here who still may be deciding if Jesus is the one. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. But there are also people here who've made, sort of made that choice, but your fans, not followers of Jesus yet. You know what a fan is, right? A fan looks at a team from a distance. They cheer. They, oh, I'm really enamored with Jesus. He's a good guy. Yeah, I go to church once in a while, even pray, usually when I'm in trouble. And that kind of is a fan of Jesus, so here's what I have asked God to do. I've asked God to do today, and that is to bring those who aren't yet sure about Jesus into that circle of love. And for those who are fans, I want the Holy Spirit to convert you to a follower today. So let's pray, okay? Lord, would you do that in Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to read Psalm 1. I'm not going to say read it together because we probably have different translations, but follow along on the board. It says this, blessed, and blessed means happy, by the way, is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law onlets all he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff, the wind blows away, therefore the wicked will not stand the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the first thing our psalmist does is he tells us how to avoid bad choices. Remember, we talked about right choices. He tells us how to avoid, in verse 1, bad choices. He says happy people are making choices uh, that are not apart from God. They avoid making choices that are apart from God. And here's how they do it. They avoid it by taking, not taking the advice of the wicked, the sinner, and the mocker. Now notice... This kind of forms a slippery slope, all right? Uh, first, I walk, and then I stand, and then I sit. Do you see? Just act like you see the progression, all right? Just say, yeah, yeah. All right, so this doesn't happen in a day. You don't wake up in the morning and decide. This is over time, and it's a progression, and I call it a slippery slope. I need to avoid uh, wrong choices. So let's zero in on the first picture. We don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who walks in the counsel of the wicked? A person who is rather unconsciously just going with the flow in life. 
he or she is caught up in what theologians call zeitgeist. Can you say that with me one time? Zeitgeist. Good German word. And zeitgeist simply means the spirit of the age. And so the spirit of the age permeates us, and pretty soon we're walking in the spirit of the age, and we may not even know it. It's kind of an unconscious thing to walk in the zeitgeist. So it's kind of like John Candy's dilemma in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Would you like to see it? Let's, let's, let's look at it. Race. Race? That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down! You want something? Uh, probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. What a moron. They're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. Don't you think the devil image is pretty appropriate there? John Candy turns into the devil. Sometimes the Lord says, wake up, be aware. You might be going the wrong way, even though you don't even realize it. You know, let me give you an example in our culture where this has held sway more than most, and that's human sexuality. Think about it. A woman I knew, uh, and still do, was speaking to a close friend of hers, and they were both mature believers, <clears throat> one was divorced, the other was widowed, and they'd been dating men for some time. The question of sex came up. My friend stated that she was not having sex with her boyfriend. Both mature women dating. And her friend rolled her eyes and said, really, why not? What's up with that? And my friend said, well, you know, I read that book, that Bible, and it says, this isn't God's best for us. To which her friend rolled her eyes and mumbled something about, it's the 21st century, and she was more than an 18-year-old. What happened to the second woman? Say it, zeitgeist. 
She'd been breathing the spirit of the age so long she had become oblivious to the things of God. She was walking in the counsel of the wicked. Are we together? She was walking in the counsel of the wicked. And uh, uncritically breathing the spirit of the age is the first step on this slippery slope, and it's everywhere you look. It's on the TV. It's all the stuff you read, and it's uh, in literature. It's on, in, on the Internet, obviously. It's just bombarding us with billboards. Everything is the spirit of the age. Be aware of it. It's the first step on the slippery slope. The second step is standing in the way of sinners. Now You were work, walking, now you're standing, and this is a picture of a person that kind of knows what they're doing but they actually think it might be better? They're lingering. Oh yeah, I kind of think this is my, maybe right. Maybe what I was taught wasn't right, and maybe this is right. They believe they're doing what leads to the good life, and that's what happened in the DNH era. Do you know what the DNH era is? The dirty, naked, hippie era. And I know it well because I was part of the dirty, naked, hippie era. And we talked a lot about freedom, especially being free from God's restraints. And what we meant by freedom is, oh, by the way, we became evangelists for it as well. And what we meant by freedom is you can do anything you want. And then we would add piously, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else which it always does. Do you know what the fruit of doing that was? It was decades of disease and poverty and broken marriages. It was decades of even things that led to death because of drugs and alcohol. That was the fruit of that. But before you hate us baby boomers, which I know I can see some of the younger people hating on me right now, before you hate us baby boomers, you've got to remember that this is true. This stage of the slippery slope is true in every generation. Look who's writing about it like thousands of years ago. This is, this is the psalmist. He's warning back then. It's never changed. It's always the same progression. The final step on the slippery slope is don't sit in the seat of mockers. This is a person who's hard set in their ways. They're sitting. They're settled in. They're no longer moving. Their idealism is, is dead. There's nothing transcendent or meaningful about their lives. I mean, bitterness, mocking, sarcasm, or partying is what's left. Now, I know this, and I know that it's widespread in this generation because there's been a spate of atheist books that have become bestsellers in the last decade or two. What do you got left? If you're a mocker. And... A mocker especially of the things that most of the people in this room believe. That's the seat of the mocker. Verses 4 and 5 show us this. the end or the result of the slippery slope. Uh, the psalmist uses the image of chaff that the wind blows away. The chaff, apart from the grain, is hollow. People on the slippery slope that end up at this last destination uh, lack substance. They've become hollow people. The core of their being is starved. They may look good on the outside. In fact, most of them do. But there's nothing on the inside. They're stuffed shirts with nothing in the stuffing. They're suits. They're dresses. 
nothing on the inside of their lives because they haven't been sustained and built any kind of life with God. And the writer says they'll be blown away. That could have a double meaning, you know. The first thing it absolutely means is when the storms of life blow, and many of you know precise, you're going through a storm right now. When the storms of life blow, there's a big collapse that comes in their life, even though they look good on the outside. And the COVID epidemic is a prime example of how this has happened to many, many people who look good on the outside, but because there was so much pressure coming from the outside, they collapsed. They were like a sinkhole because there was no substance in their life. They were hollow people. Does that make them bad people? No, it makes them hollow people. And you know some of them. COVID was a big um, sort of um, revealer as well as an awful thing. Secondly, the, the psalmist says that hollow people won't stand in the judgment. That means two things. First of all, it means that Israel had a law court and the hollow person usually wouldn't stand in the judgment. But I don't think it's a stretch at all to uh, extend that into our dispensation, into this new covenant, and say it also means the ultimate judgment. The reason they won't stand there is because they're not standing with Jesus. Jesus stands for those who take, make these right choices continually until they build a life. So when we consider that all in the tragedy, the choices we make in life become much more important. Here's the good, the good news, and you were waiting for it, weren't you? Because it was pretty depressing so far. The good news is by God's mercy and grace, we can learn how to make right choices. We can become followers, not just fans of Jesus. We can find this good life. We can be his apprentices. And in verse 2, he begins to show us, help us to know what some of those right choices are. First, he says we ought to choose to delight in the law of the Lord. Well, that's a non-starter in our culture. When we hear the word law, we hear restraint. We hear it's going to cramp my style. But that's not at all what the law of the Lord does. That's an unfortunate misunderstanding because when God's laws or, or commands are followed, we find out we delight in them because everything God commanded is for you. Nothing is against you. It's all for you. When Jesus, he pointed this out in the Sabbath law, didn't he? In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said the Sabbath, that's a law, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now this Sabbath, if you know anything about it, it was to establish a rhythm of rest in your life where you could actually sit before God, interact with your family, and become a person of substance because you were getting all that input. That's the Sabbath. So if you get this part right, the law is all for you, then you can learn to delight in it. And when you learn to delight in it, you'll immerse yourself in it. And when you immerse yourself in it, you'll become a person of substance. The psalmist says, I should meditate, which literally means to chew on, which many of you already knew. And I love what Eugene Peterson says about the book. He says, eat this book. Like when you eat a steak, when you eat your food, because it's going to go down into your body, it's going to replenish your cells, it's going to make you a healthy person, it's going to come out in your behavior as you obey it. It's going to make you different when you eat this book. We're not talking just about study, we're talking about putting it into practice. And when the storm of judgment comes, 
we'll have a friend. And in the storms of this life, we won't collapse. Sound good? Sound good? Our writer paints a wonderful picture to describe the person who delights in the wall. They'll be like a, a beautiful fruit tree, he says, planted by a flowing river. And it reaches down into the river. By the way, you know the river means the life of God, I hope. So when you sink your roots down into the life of God, you will be richly nourished. And <clears throat> this reaching and drinking are, produces three things. First of all, it produces fruit. Well, you know, there's a lot of ways we could define that, but let me just say productivity and purpose are the fruits it produces. So you can provide good things for yourself and your family and those you love. And then it says, its leaf will not wither. What does that mean? That means when you're old like me, you'll still have a sparkle in your eye. Your leaf will not wither. You'll still be excited about Jesus. You'll still have joy. People will want to be around you because your leaf will not wither. And then prosperity is the third thing, and this could mean material prosperity, and I'm glad it could, I can. But you know the prosperity that's more important, it means always having satisfaction and joy in my life, and that's the sort of prosperity that cannot be moved. It can't be taken away when Wall Street crashes. That's the kind of prosperity I want. One of my mentors is a guy named Bill, and he exemplifies this for me. He actually um, has all his life sunk his roots down into the river of God, and the fruit has been amazing. He was the leader of the most prolific youth ministry in this city, Cincinnati, for many years. After that, he began a financial ministry where he helped people like me plan our lives and basically bore good fruit beyond himself, thousands of people. And then he started a ministry uh, for divorced people so they could be healed and so they could bear fruit again. And then he was on the board of a very large choice, church, making them, uh, helping them make decisions. And so that's pretty good fruit because his roots were sunk in to the river of God. But let me hasten to add his was not a pain-free life. The reason the youth ministry ended is because his wife divorced him without a cause, estranged his two children away from him. Think of the pain. And then he got a debilitating disease, a life-threatening disease, by the way, from which he's been cured. Bill had pain in his life. So how did he maintain when the storms of life came? You already know. He had his roots sunk into the river of God, into the life of God. So it's clear from his story that this life we're talking about, this falling of Jesus, these choices we make, do not result in a pain-free life. So if you're hearing me say that, you're not hearing me. What the result is is a life where of substance, where you can stand and where you can be a blessing to others, no matter what's happening to you. That's what Jesus brings. So the final verse of our psalm is uplifting. It says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. I like Peterson's message translation. He says, God charts 
the road you take. So who wants God as their travel agent? <laughs> Me too. And that's basically what this means. You know, if you're in a third world country or in a two-thirds world and you haven't had a good travel agent, you might run into problems. And there's lots of problems in this two-thirds world country right here in the U.S. America. So making right choices is a daily challenge for disciples of Jesus, no doubt about it. It's never easy. That's why it's called the road less traveled. Uh, it is so easy for me, I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me to get on that slippery slope. I, I, it's, so, it's like falling off a log for me to uh, begin to, to walk in the way of the wicked. It's easy. It's easy to, to, for me to stand or linger a little bit in that second part of the slippery slope. And it's um, thankfully not happened yet, but I could see myself very easily, easily rolling it down into the road of the mocker. And maybe some of you are on that slope and you now recognize it. This is why we need to sink our roots into God. This is how we make good choices. Psalm 1 is a basic skill set. You won't forget it, will you? It's a basic skill set for those who desire this life we've been talking about, a life of substance. So again, we come to choosing. For some of you, this morning I'm, I'm praying that that might be, mean choosing Jesus. Maybe for the first time. You've been hanging around, you've been listening, but you haven't dropped the quarter yet. You know, when you drop the quarter, you get the newspaper. Wait a minute, we don't have newspapers or quarters anymore. <clears throat> All right, I'm 72, what do you want? Or you might be in a situation right now where you're a fan of Jesus. God wants to move you into the sphere of influence of Jesus. He wants you to become a follower today. Let's stand up. A couple of things I think are going on. You know, this sinking your roots down into the, the river of God is about being caught up in the Holy Spirit. That's really what it is. All through Scripture, we have water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus frames it like this. He said, out of your bellies will come rivers of living water. And by this, John says, Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. So where you see water references in Scripture, they're connected because Jesus says so. And I think one of the things God wants to do in our prayer time, and will the prayer teams come up now if you're here? Uh, do you have prayer teams? The whole church is a prayer team. <clears throat> so prayer teams come up. I think one of the things Jesus wants to do today is he wants to prime the pump. Because after all, to make good choices, we need his influence. We need his power to uh, avoid bad choices. And so priming the pump means that we're going to ask God to begin inundating people with the Holy Spirit, because you do understand the energies of God are already here. Now, I can't predict what's going to happen. I just know that there are people who are thirsty. I know there are people here that need this kind of blessing. 
God wants to prime the pump so you are able to sink your roots down into the river of his love. And then if you're a person who has decided that I am converting from a fan to a follower, but I need help. I'm going to invite you to come this way as well when I'm done. And if you're a person who wants to say yes to Jesus for the first time, oh, yeah, come on down. Because we love that in this, in this church. Need, needless to say, some of you are in need of healing today. And where the energies of God are, healing is available. So don't neglect that. If you need healing, I don't care if you've been down here 10 times for the same thing. Come on down. Okay? So let's pray before we invite people forward. Is that the way you do it here, Van? Okay. Um, <laughs> Father, thanks a lot for the things that you're stirring in people right now. I pray that you wouldn't let anything that you've said to them flow by, but I pray that they'd capture it and they'd respond to it. I especially pray for those who know deep down that they're just fans. Lord, help them make a good choice today. Help them choose the road less traveled today and meet them in power. And Lord, for those who come to be filled with the Spirit, just meet them, Lord. I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.